Hello and welcome to this edition of the He Doesn't Waste a Thing podcast. I'm Melissa Zimmerman and I am so happy that you decided to join me today. As usual, on every episode, I bring in the most amazing people that God has brought into my life. And today, of course, is no exception. I know you, the listeners, are getting used to all of the facts that Melissa has, the best friends on the planet. And so that's really cool. Anyway, so today I want to introduce you to somebody I met uh, in 2002. Uh, That was a long time ago. She's sitting here going, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's been that long. (laughs) If you can see the look on her face. I met her in 2002 when I started to attend Victory Church in Oklahoma City. She was a pastor on staff at that time. And uh, we have, I worked, I became a co-worker with her when I worked on staff at Victory as well. And she has just become a true friend to me. I remember during the uh, hard times of transition from being in the corporate world to being on the staff, she was my lifeline. A lot, I would sit in her office and cry and, and it was just a mess, but she was always there to, to encourage me and support me. And so I want to introduce you today to my friend, Vicki Thorpe. Vicki is on the board of Mountain Child, a humanitarian organization in Nepal fighting for children. And she's also on the board of Project 31, which is a breast cancer support organization that does so much to help women who are fighting for, are fighting the fight of breast cancer. Um, So, and she does a bunch of other stuff. Uh, She and her husband own a business and, you know, she's, she's busy woman going all, going and doing all kinds of amazing things. So welcome to the show, Vicki. Thanks for having me. I'm super glad you're here. I'm glad to be here. Did you remember all the days that I would sit in your office and cry and carry on? Yes, yeah, a little bit, yeah. Bless your heart. You were were an enduring soul who would always encourage me and pat me on the head and send me back out. I think that's part of a pastor's heart, though, isn't it? It is. Uh, And that is, that's true about you. You have a true, you are a true pastor in the sense of that is the anointing on your life, I think. Don't you? I do. I do. I believe that was that's what was placed on me a long time ago. And the beauty of Victory Church was that I was able to walk in that pastorship. But also what I have found after being off the staff is that you don't have to it, a title is not required. Right. That it's a lifestyle. It is. And if, so if you had to d- tell the listeners, you know, what is a pastor? What's a lifestyle of a pastor or a person who has a pastoral anointing look like? For me, it's caring about people. Uh, it's amazing how many times I'll meet someone, even at the grocery store, and could be a complete stranger, and all of a sudden they have just poured out their entire lives or what issues they're walking through. And I believe that's because of the anointing on my life, that I will listen Unfortunately, not everybody wants to hear what I have to say because I'm a very black and white person. Um, I want to know if you have a plan. Let's let's develop a plan because let's not stay where we are. Right. Let's grow and change and be the best people that we can be because then that affects our entire lives. It affects our children and our spouses and our job and everything that we do. So tell me a little bit about how you became a Christ follower. So I was raised in church. I went to a Baptist church with my father and his side of the family. And then um, on my mother went to uh, Disciples of Christ Church. So I always knew I had a call of God on my life, but I didn't know what that looked like. Because as a Baptist, you're only told that you can be a Lottie Moon missionary or you could teach Sunday school. And I didn't believe that was the only thing a woman could do. Mm -hmm. Because I read stories in the Bible that said Mary and Martha and 
his mother Mary and all of these other women who were doing Esther, who were doing all these fabulous things, right? That there had to be a way, and unfortunately, I well, fortunately, I was very involved in the youth group at at uh, First Christian Church, but again, there wasn't any spiritual leadership on how to be. So um, I moved to I actually got married moved to Lake, got divorced, moved to Lake Tahoe, and a friend of mine prayed for me. And I, I really, I think this was a turning point. She would get up in the middle of the night and pray for me. And one night, um, the father said to her, it is finished. And I ended up coming back to Oklahoma and getting acquainted with some people that I had known before I went to Lake Tahoe. And they invited me to a uh, Christian businessmen's fellowship night. And I felt the pull of God, and that was it. And I started attending a church uh, called Christian Assembly. And I think if I had been in a non-denominational church, perhaps earlier in my life, my life would have taken different turns and twists and paths. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't it. We have to trust our our steps are ordered by the Lord. We do. You know, it's funny because my story is pretty similar to yours in that... um, I felt the Lord call me to ministry when I was 15 in a Baptist church, which I I learned the exact same thing. I could marry a pastor. I could go overseas and be a missionary, which totally doesn't make any sense to me when I think about it. Right. And, um, and I, and I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not uh, being harsh about Baptists or anything like that. That's not what I'm talking about that. But um, I, I do believe that if I had been a, if I'd have been a boy and I had come back to my church and told them what I told them, uh, from being in church camp, they, my path would have been different. Yes. And, uh, and so I didn't come into full-time ministry until I was 47. Uh, you beat me there. Uh, you got there a little sooner than me, but, uh, it was, um, it was a harder path, I think, especially back in, you know, the, the eighties, the seventies, the eighties, mm-hmm. uh, it was a harder path for women to kind of break into, uh, ministry than it is. It's much easier now for women to come into ministry and to work and, and do those things and be recognized for the call of God on their life, I think. Um, so and I might say it's even changed in denominational churches. Sure. Because now women are pastors in Baptist churches and, and other denominations, which I think is amazing. And I think, I, you know, I always say people walk in all the light they have. And I think, you know, at that time, they the people in my church were doing their very best to follow the Lord. It wasn't like they were just trying to be uh, chauvinistic or any of those things. They were just doing their best to follow what they thought the Bible mm-hmm. said. And that's, I think, the key. Yeah. Is what There was a doctrine mm-hmm. that they'd been taught. And, you know, if you look at the history through studying jo- uh, Josephus and some of the historical things of why certain scriptures were stated in the Bible, we take them for face value. But we don't go and research what the history says and why this was happening and why this was practiced. And when you get a full picture of what it said about women, then you totally understand about everyone's place right. in, in ministry. Yeah, and I think that's an, and, I, and so I challenge the listeners if, if maybe you are a woman wondering if you could do something ministry wise or whatever, um, go check it out, read the history, learn for yourself. You know, uh, one of my big deals was I was waiting for somebody to tell me it was okay for me to do it. And uh, so I probably stayed on the sidelines a lot longer than I should have. Um, now I'm just, you know, brazen enough to go for it and just say, 
you know, we'll pick up the pieces along the way or whatever, exactly. you know. So, uh, but for a long time in my life, I wasn't like that. So let's talk a little bit about Mountain Child. Tell me about that organization that you work with. So Mountain Child was founded um, 20 years ago. The founder was in Nepal trekking. So most, most people know Nepal as just Mount Everest. But there is an entire country other than just that one mountain. And he was trekking, and there were, in the, while, when you trek, oftentimes you stay in homes that are along the path. And sometimes you stay in the barn, and sometimes you stay in their house. And there, was, there were two gentlemen that had several children with them, and they were very blatant that these children were going to be trafficked. Oh, wow. And at that time, Jack worked for his father, his brother-in-law, who had a ministry, who has still a ministry in England, who also had a school of ministry in India. So, um, Jack, so Nepal is right next to India, surrounded by India, really, on two sides. But, um, and when he heard that, the gentlemen say that, and they were so open with it, he cried for three months, asking God, what can I do to make a difference? And God finally said, slay the dragon. And he had a, a picture of the Himalayan mountains that were in a, the form of a dragon. So therein lies the beginning and the onset of Mountain Child. So since that, tw- over the 20 years, we have grown to meet humanitarian needs, but also spiritual needs. It's very, we're very careful in that country um, because with reaching the spiritual needs because the just the, the way the country is set up, but the humanitarian needs are so great. So there are five core issues. Uh, we bring in education. We build schools. Most of the kids start working in the fields at about age three to five. Wow. The life in Nepal is so difficult. The people that we minister to are Tibetan Buddhists. So they live in the upper mountains most everyone in, in Kathmandu are Hindus, and there are some Buddhists. So this is north of Kathmandu, up in the in the mountainous regions. So ed- education, how we can work around and educate the children, but still allow them to be off school when it's time for harvest or planting. Uh, clean water, you know, we take it for granted. Right. But water is a tremendous issue all over the world. Right. Particularly clean water. You can't drill a well in the Himalayan mountains, so we have to bring in filtration systems. So we have a series of systems that we, starting with larger gravel, go, going down all the way to sand, where we are able to filtrate water and teach the village how to use that water. Along with, with clean water comes education, health education. Don't wash your dishes where the yaks are. Right. Because... Um, as a nurse, you know that um, disease and um, bacteria and all those things that that come about with that. Well, if you're in America, you have a lot of resources. In Nepal, you might be three days out from an outpost or th- or five days walk down to, to Kathmandu to a hospital. Right. So it's it's education. Therein lies the next issue, our health posts. So we, we build health posts around the, the, um, the country. So we're, we're trying to make a change for the people's lives in various situations. 
the ministry really took a, a major turn after the earthquake several years ago. We're one of the, uh, we're an NGO, so we've stayed there and worked. And through partnerships, it's really tremendous what we've been able to do in the country. We've partnered with a, com- a company out of England called Miss, um, Math Mission Aviation Fellowship. They have allowed us to have access to helicopters. So we're now, when the, when the earthquake happened, people were cut off from civilization, civilization sorry, <laughs> uh, um, and had no access to water, to food, to tents. One entire people group was wiped off the face of the earth. Wow. So the devastation was humongous. Mm-hmm. So the um, helicopters have allowed us to take um, food and transport all manner of things. We since through through that organization offer, we call the HALO project. We are able to, if it's a true emergency and someone is in desperate need on the mountain, we will fly in, take them to to Kathmandu. They get, uh, receive medical treatment and then we take them back to to their village. It's, there are only three motorable roads that go across the Himalayan mountains. So if you cannot get there in a Jeep or a bus or a plane or a helicopter, you walk. Right. So that's, an, that's a powerful organization doing mighty, doing really amazing things. Um, and having been, and they've been in, um, in, in that area for a really long time. So it, it, they've, they, in Nepal, they've established, a, I'm sure that they've established a presence. Yes. So people know who they are and trust them and those kinds of things. And so that, that doesn't happen overnight. No. That happens over time. And the, we're seeing some inroads with the government because they see the impact we're having on the country. Mm-hmm. That our heart is for the country. Right. That's awesome. Tell us a little bit about Project 31. Project 31 was started by uh, Sarah and Steve McLean. They are actually members of Victory Church, but she was she's a two-time cancer survivor. And the first time that she had cancer, she was in her middle 20s. They had just gotten, the, gotten married. And through that experience and through the second even diagnosis, when you're diagnosed and you're that young, and this was a few years ago, there weren't the amount of support groups that there are today. And as a young couple, and as young parents, and as just people struggling, everyone needs a support group. Yeah. Everyone needs a support basis. That's true. And they found no one. Who do you talk to about all of the issues that you're experiencing? Who do you talk to about what is the best um, surgical option? Who do you talk to about all the drugs? How do you, who do you talk to about your body changing? Who do you talk to about um, the, how this is affecting the husband and the children? Because breast cancer doesn't just affect the person who, is, um, who has cancer. It affects their entire family and it affects their friends. Absolutely. So they started Project 31. It's based on Proverbs, Proverbs 31 woman. Okay. So we are in over 10 hospitals around the state, mostly in Oklahoma City and Tulsa. Hospitals come to Project 31 and request our presence. It's a faith-based 
support group. Through the, the support group, we offer all manner of support in that surgeons often speak to the groups. People who have experienced different medical procedures will speak. We're able to sponsor various um, medical treatments or transitional medical treatments such as acupuncture, mm-hmm. uh, massage therapy, various things that have been found to help women overcome some of the negative results of having lymph glands removed and um, surgical procedures. So it's our fifth year. Our our gala is coming up October 18th, which is in two weeks from today. No, tomorrow. Uh, Well, on the October 18th. So our fifth year, it's grown exponentially. And this year, I'm happy to say that Joan London is our keynote speaker. That's awesome. That's really awesome. uh, Is coming. She is a BRCA two or three um, cancer survivor, which is um, pretty remarkable. And she's going to speak this year. The beauty of the gala, most galas, of course, if you're a nonprofit, your whole process, your whole reason for holding galas or or fundraisers is, of course, to fund the organization. But we go a little step further. So all of the survivors that are associated with Project 31 are allowed to come to the event for free. Oh, fun. So they're allowed to. It's an opportunity to get dressed up, feel pretty, be honored. So several years ago, one of our really good friends, I've known her since the 80s, she had just was able to get out after a mastectomy. First time she'd been out, and she attended the gala with us. And Sarah has all of the survivors come down in front of the stage to be honored. And our friend looked at us, and she said, I'm going down. And that was the first time that she had felt supported in a different way. The first time that she had hope and that she knew she wasn't alone. That's awesome. And I think, you know, my mother died of breast cancer and, and, um, and our family, we're in a, our family has been uh, impacted severely by ovarian and breast cancer. And uh, in fact, our family is in a case study at Creighton University because our cancer gene, and so they're testing for the BRCA gene and stuff. And so... Um, it is, it is something that affects everybody. I know for me, the first time my mom was diagnosed, uh, you know, you just immediately hear cancer and you think, oh, well, I'm about to lose the loved one of my, you know, I'm about to lose my loved one or I'm about to lose my own life. And so to have that kind of support to come around you and say, you know what, there are a lot of cancer survivors, like you can make it through this. And, um, that's a really powerful thing. That's, that is a really powerful thing. And, I didn't expect that to like take an emotional turn for me there, <laughs> but it but it is just true of that. Uh, anytime you have one of those traumatic diagnoses uh, experiences in your life, it really does it really does make a big difference. And so having that powerful support is is so vital to the success and and well being of both the both the cancer. Uh, patient as well as the family and friends that are coming around them. So Project 31 is a great organization that helps. And so, um, you know, I just, 
would invite the people who are listening to us to really, you know, listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and, and at the very least begin to pray for a mountain child, begin to pray for Project 31. Uh, seek the Lord to see if there's other involvement. How do you guys, if somebody wanted to volunteer with one of those organizations, what would that look like? It's a little more difficult with, with Mountain Child. Our home office from the United States is in um, Colorado. But we do offer various programs for churches to partner. And a lot of people go trek mm-hmm. and go see the country. So that's one way. You can go online and read read about that. Project 31, we put together care basket, care packages and other things uh, people can help with the projects we just completed our first race mm-hmm. our first run that was amazing so we have a lot of different activities so it's a lot of ways for people to get involved with project 31 yes okay because it's local right and so what i'll do is i'll put the link for both of those organizations in the show notes so people can go back and um you know really take a look at those and pray about you know what, what their involvement would look like in those kinds of organizations um, certainly uh, I would highly endorse those as places to put your finances and your resources. So uh, consider, you know, consider making a donation of your time, your talent, and your treasure uh, into both Mountain Child and Project 31. So, uh, you know, I always like to end my shows with some rapid fire questions. These are just um, think off the top of your head. You know, they're not deep and theological. Um, they're just fun, right? Okay. So uh, if Jesus had a candy bar, what would it be? Mm. I'll have to just pick my favorite, which would be a Butterfinger. A Butterfinger. All right. See, I think if Jesus has a candy bar, he's having a Snickers. <laughs> I like that because he does snicker over us, I'm sure. I'm sure he does. Um, are you coffee or tea? Coffee. All right. Cream and sugar or black? Black, unless... Um, if, it's, if I drink it cold, I'll have cream and sugar. Okay. Pumpkin spice latte? Periodically. Okay. You're not just jonesing for one now that it's fall, right? No, not at all. <laughs> all right. Uh, what is a movie that you watch over and over? Uh, maybe you can quote the dialogue from. Sound of Music. The Sound of Music. That's awesome. When I was growing up, that was my mom's favorite, one of her favorite movies. And uh, I have a brother that's 13 months older than me and one that's 13 months younger than me. And so uh, when we were driving in the car, there were no iPads, iPods. It, nothing with headphones of any kind, you know, and so our family sang, and we would frequently sing songs from The Sound of Music because yeah. that was one of mom's favorites. So that that is super fun. Um, if you could say one thing about Jesus to make him famous, what would it be? That he's uh, a personal friend. I think that that was that's been the most revelation to me is okay. that he is a personal. He's in an individual person for everyone. Yeah, that's really awesome. And I think, you know, he's not corporate. Uh, he's not far off. No. He is your personal friend. I love I love that. That's super great. Um, do you have a life verse? I do. What share, are you going to share it with us? I do. Jeremiah 1.5. And I'm going to actually read it. Okay. Because this impacted me. Um, most women, I think, struggle with value. Mm-hmm. And... This scripture, so rhema, the rhema word, is a word out of the out of the Bible that really speaks to us. And sometimes it can be a word that God actually speaks to us that carries us through difficult times. And that this scripture has done that for me. And it's, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and I approved of you as my chosen instrument. 
and before you were born, I consecrated you to myself and as my own. I have appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And I don't use the word prophet. I use maybe more of a spokesperson mm-hmm. because I look at that as that he is, he knit me together for a purpose, but he knew me before I was even conceived. Yeah. And I, you know, one of my favorite quotes is Mark Twain that says the two best days of your life, the day you were born, the day you discover why. Oh, I like that. Because we all come on the planet with a purpose, a plan, and a destiny. Yes. And uh, our goal is to walk out that that purpose, plan, and destiny every day of our life. And so, uh, thanks so much. Uh, let me just ask a couple of things before we tie this up. Do you do speaking engagements? Do you do things like that anymore? Do you teach Bible studies? Are you, uh, if somebody wanted to invite you to come and share about uh, Mountain Child or Project 31, are you available to do things like that? Absolutely. Okay. And how would, they, how would be the best way for them to get a hold of you? Uh, email. Okay. Would be Vicki, V-I-C-K-I, at ShulerOK.com. Okay. S-C-H-U-L-E-R.com or cell phone. Yeah. Uh, and we'll put her email in the, pro- in the show notes as well as the link for both Pro- Mountain Child and Project 31. So if they have questions about either one of those organizations, if they want your, maybe they want you to come and speak to their organization about either one of those organizations, that would be a great way to connect with you. So thanks for hanging out with me today. I am so happy to connect with you and, and introduce you to the people who listen to our podcast. I am overjoyed to see you, but... <laughs> also blown away that it's been 17 years it has it has crazy huh crazy huh it's so fun to do god with people and to uh maintain relationships and i think that's what we're called to do anyway absolutely so well thanks for hanging out with me today on the he doesn't waste a thing podcast uh this is that you know time of the of the show where i ask you to do three favors for me i ask you every time and if you've listened to my show you probably already know what i'm about to say but if you're new would you hit that subscribe button that way every new podcast is already in your podcast feed second of all uh would you Uh, go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating because that helps our podcast bubble to the top. I have to laugh because my husband said, I looked up your podcast the other day and it says, other podcasts you might enjoy, Joel Osteen and Stephen Furtick. And I'm like, look at me. (laughs) But anyway, I think it was just a random, you know, algorithm that got messed up. But whatever, there's a bunch of people out there who need to hear this podcast. So if you could give us a five-star rating, maybe even write a little something about us, that would be great. And finally, would you do me the biggest favor at all? And would you share this podcast with your friends on your social media accounts and invite other people to come and listen to us because uh, you know what? I have the best friends on the planet. God has graced me with the most amazing people in my life and everybody should know them. And you know what else? We need to all work to make Jesus famous. And so that's one of the things we want to do on this podcast. So until I see you again, remember, he doesn't waste a thing.